Hey, you're listening to the Data Plus Love. I'm your host, Zach Bowders. I'm joined today by Sam Parsons. Sam is a fellow Zen master. He's also a senior analytics consultant at BizTory. Um, Sam, how are you doing this evening? I, I'm really well, thank you, Zach. Um, thank you for having me on here. Uh, a bit hot, as uh, I was just telling you off air, uh, but no, thank you for having me. Yeah, we were just enjoying our, uh, our complaining about relative heat differences around the world and uh, how it's 85 degrees now. Uh, for Sam, uh, it is 86 degrees Fahrenheit, one degree warmer than me, which I was shocked by considering it's England and it's 10 o'clock at night. But I have central air and uh, he does not. So that is, uh, he's definitely feeling it right now. Also, um, I have a question. Is it pronounced like biz story or biz Tory like the political party? Uh, it's Biz Tory, but it isn't like the political party. It's because like, I would not know what that meant in the first place. Because I know you have about seventy political parties in the UK. I, I know that I know the story behind the name of Biz Tory, but I don't know if it's actually widely publicised. So I probably should keep my mouth quite shut on that. We'll keep that mysterious. That'll that'll be like a, a that'll be a part of a special edition. We're going to put that behind a paywall. Everyone will have to you know chip in. To yeah, get that. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's great talking with you. I've, I've I've talked with you off and on on Twitter for years. So it's it's really wild to finally get to talk to people. Like I say face to face. This is a Zoom call, but like to actually talk to people like they're humans and not uh, interactive text bots. It's it's just such a different experience. I also earlier today uh, had a brief talk with CJ Mays, who I I think of you and him oftentimes in the same sentence because as my friend and former guest Steve Wexler uh, said it, you two like to make the curvy shit. Um, so I, I think of you two as some of the masters of that because I look at your stuff and it's it's curvy, it's it's really uh, whimsical and creative and uh, deeply intimidating to me because I I'm a blocky guy. Yeah, I, CJ's brilliant at what he does. He's going. I, I, I've got a lot of time for what he he produces, and he's obviously going places as well. He's he's on the upward curve. For, <laughs> there's the curve. And um, for myself, the curvy the curvy stuff. I I don't. I never really set out to um, with a like a visit mind going right. I'm going to do. I'm going. I want to do a radio. I'm going to do a, another radio. It's just where my mind sort of takes me. And I think it's visually, I like them. I, I just like the way they look. I think they're interesting. And also the other side of things with myself is I like to really test myself on, can I actually make it? Can I actually make that crazy idea of what I'm going to do with this sort of curved chart? So um, I, it's, it's, it's a lot of it is a sort of a self um, test on my t own tableau skills, but they they look great, and I don't care if a bar chart probably would tell the story easier for a lot of people. Sometimes, sometimes you've got to make stuff that looks really really nice and appealing to draw people in. Well, there's a delicate balance, and I think I, I mentioned like years ago, back when I was a, a baby analyst, at least in terms of the social medias. Um, I had gotten like a little debate with Mike Cisneros, who is obviously more sort of senior to me in terms of, you know, visibility and uh, ability at the time. And there was a question of, um, you know, how important is it? I was doing lots of like gifts to show off the functionality of my, my visas and stuff. And how important is it to sort of show that functionality? And it sort of came down in my, my head to a, um, a risk reward proposition, because 
if you're like Mike at the time and you were sort of more established and you were like a known quantity, people knew to look at your stuff because they knew there was going to be more there. But if you were newer and didn't have sort of that track record, didn't have that audience, you're sort of more incentivized to demonstrate, hey, look at what I can do. And, you know, I'm more than just what you see on the page. And I think with sometimes going with the more unorthodox chart types and sort of creating a viz that uh, grabs your eyes more. And uh, honestly, going back to a, a 2019 uh, Tableau conference presentation by Lalak Mannheim and Mike Cisneros, uh, they did a whole presentation uh, about sort of catching your eyes, right? And there's this, there's this uh, balance of catching your eyes. So at the same conference, Gentilly Jagernoff did a presentation about sort of uh, solid fundamentals using templates and that sort of thing to create a really great, consistent database. Chantilly is one of the best. And so, so is Mike for that matter. Um, yeah. And Mike and Lilac's presentation were almost opposite ends of the spectrum, but not contradictory. Because anything that you put out there, whether it be data viz or anything else, you have to weigh the balance between presenting quality content. And I, I kind of hate the word content. It's been beaten to death. I'm never <laughs> going to call myself a content creator. God willing, just call me out if I do. If I say I'm a content creator, just say something. But you need to create quality, but you also have to market it. Because if you don't find a way to get the eyes on it, it doesn't matter how good the thing was. And I mean, that's true both in terms of promoting something that you might make as a personal project on social media, but also sometimes in terms of your work product, because you have to create something compelling enough to get people to use it in the first place in order to benefit themselves and their jobs. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, um, I completely agree with that. Um, certainly from the workplace perspective, getting that buy-in, that engagement into your into your work visits, that's where. Um, using your branding and um, really applying that cleverly to your your dashboards that you do for work, that really helps because then it looks a lot more professional and that, that gets people drawn into your work visits. It, you don't tend to um, do the curvy shit, as you like to call it, um, with your work with your workplace visits, but um, you have to draw people into to that content. In, and the way I like to do that is with branding. Um, with your um the personal stuff yeah um really sort of showing off the not sort of non-standard charts is one way of doing it i'm i'm really bad at doing gifts and uh i've never seem to get them to work properly when i want to display them on twitter so i tend to stay away from them these days but i understand that because sometimes the con the, the what you've got in your viz just needs to be shown in an animated form and and that that is just another medium to draw people through to it. So um, I completely understand that. They, and and those presentations, I have seen those presentations, and the, yeah, they they are they're well, they're they're inspiring people, aren't they? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's really great to be able to uh, go to the conference or, or you know with the virtual experience now, sort of being able to catch up on these various experiences. They're all on YouTube, which is great. But like, I remember seeing both of those in person and the Chantilly one, which was kind of astonishing because she was a solo act and she was mobbed afterwards. Like a hundred people <laughs> 
like rushed the stage to ask her questions. And I mean, I going to the conference, like you and me talking and probably most of the people listening with the exception of my mom, because I know she listens to all of these, uh, probably are fairly engaged in data visualization and the Tableau community specifically. But at the conference uh, or some, in a setting like that, you are in the vast minority. Most of the people there have been sent by work or might not even yeah. know a lot of these things even exist. So when they're exposed to something like sort of Chantilly and, and Mike and Lilac's I, like ideas, it might be their first exposure to some of this stuff. And even for those of us that are sort of marinating in it every day, when someone is able to articulate some of these high concept ideas so well and say like, look, there's a balance here to be struck, you know, you have to sort of sell the thing, but then you also have to deliver in the content. And it was, it was just a great um, melding of those two. And I think I might include those two links in the show notes for this session, just because I think you partic in particular with your public work, do such a great job of delivering on both. Well, and the, the one uh, conference talk that I remember seeing very early on in my Tableau sort of career was I think again from Mike. And that was the one um, where he was talking about you are an artist. And I find that so inspiring and, um, just just listening to the way he passionately spoke about everything that we do and, and, and how everybody's choices with what they are creating and everybody can do it. Um, I found that incredibly inspiring early doors in my Tableau career. And that, that was sort of, I watched that a number of times and sort of just to just tell myself, because when you start off, you, you just don't know where you're finding your feet, whether or not you really belong in in this sort of community and what you're doing is really sort of right. Because I was, at the time, I was just sort of trying to test my Tableau skills and I was doing charts that probably weren't best practice for Makeover Monday and they were probably being fed back in that way. And But I was still sort of, I was re-watching that. I probably watched about four or five times early on in my first year. And um, I just find that really helpful to sort of understand where my place could be if I wanted to take it there. And I think uh, you undoubtedly have your place and you undoubtedly have a firm place in the community um, being recognized as a Zen master, but also in terms of sort of the community uh, upswell around you. Because I know oftentimes when you release a visit, it's kind of a big deal. Um, and I'm not it's saying that so just to surreal. Puff you up. It's um, so surreal, though. Is that, I just find that, and I honestly do, I find it very strange because I spent 15 years sat at a desk working as an Excel person. Just my day-to-day -day job was just sat there doing my doing my analysis using Excel, just speaking to the people directly opposite or directly next to me within my team, and then I'd go home again. I had no concept of a wider world of data, literally none. And then you know, Tableau was brought into my company and that then I was encouraged to get myself onto Twitter and start using, uh, start putting stuff out onto a Tableau public. Never even heard of any of this stuff. And and then suddenly, I don't know where it, where it happened, uh, but I, I was probably around the time that I did the Six Nations radial viz that I did. And it was somewhere around that time that then things just exploded a little bit and people started feeding in from... And, uh, and I just find that so, so strange. And even now when I release fizzes and I still not, I'm not really expecting, you know, it might seem strange after having quite a few land really well, I'm still not expecting light to be inundated with messages. And, and I just find it really, it's just a completely different world to where I came from only probably about three years ago. 
So yeah, strange. <laughs> Your story actually reminds me a lot of Kevin Flerlidge, who was a friend of both of us. Yeah. Uh, Kevin uh, was strictly an Excel guy. And once he sort of, you know, uh, his brother, Ken uh, Fleurledge, twin brother, was already a Tableau Zen master, very sort of established um, and accomplished. And Kevin sort of ribbed him about, you know, hey, you know, you go to your your, your geeky data conferences. They're their brothers. Um, but um, he said, hey, you know, why don't you show me what the deal is with this? So Kevin uh, got the full sort of distilled down. This is how you do this stuff from Ken. And it so captured his imagination that he basically catapulted in a year out of nowhere to being a phenomenon. It was it, it was just amazing because between um you know his his already sort of baked in abilities that he already knew about data and sort of combining that both with the abilities that uh, he already had in addition to some of Ken's tricks and his imagination. And I think imagination is one of the big things that you bring to the table. You bring a sort of unique voice and perspective, which oftentimes I'll get messages from people every now and then like, hey, I really enjoy your work. And I'm always sort of surprised by that when I get that because I do not do as many sort of um, off the wall charts, right? A lot of the stuff I do is more standard yeah. charts, just visualizing things you might not think about or maybe using them in a different way. And part of that's intentional because I'm wanting to show, hey, you can do this too. And part of it's laziness because I don't want to create a really unorthodox chart to accomplish my, my objective. Uh, but I think people respond to me for some of the same reason they respond to you because I had a different perspective. And I think you bring that perspective along with unique charts. Um, you you particularly, as I'm looking at some of your new stuff. Uh, so my most recent guest I had on was Sarah Bartlett, and we talked about Iron Viz this year. And your okay. new Iron Viz entry, The Rivers of Time, sort of following the timeline of Marvel Studios films, is uh, sort of a visual um, tour de force. Like you have this centerpiece in the middle of it. Yeah. And I don't know how to describe it. It's almost <laughs> like a, uh, I mean, I know I, I know the river is the theme of the visualization, right? It's almost like multiple rivers sort of flowing together into one or alternatively, if you think of it as like a hydra, like a snake with a uh, hundred heads coming off of it. Yeah, yeah. Can you do explain you the, sort of you, where you came from with this? Um, I, I can do. Do you want the crude way of um, <laughs> explaining what it looks like? Please. <laughs> I have been told it looks like a big sperm. <laughs> yeah that that works yeah so um where did i come from with this um so when iron viz came around i had a data set that i had already attempted and i had got nowhere with it so i saw uh, i saw a tweet from somebody who had taken the time to uh, break down all the scenes in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, all 23 films. They broke them down scene by scene or um, collections of scenes where um, and basically ordered them. And they put that in a series of tweets. And I took that off and I thought that'd be a really great sort of fun bit of data to put into Tableau. So I took, I basically copied that down and put that into Excel. I had to fill in the gaps by watching the films so that I knew when, what, timestamp the films ended and when the when the post credit scene started and things like that but um i i had attempted a few times to sort of visualize it and i was just trying to use the traditional ways of gantt charts and uh and, and such like and i was just never getting there because it was so detailed and then um and then I this came around and i thought okay well i can i can go at this again and i and i, I hadn't 
I had a sort of an idea, well, maybe maybe if I can turn this into a bump chart, maybe that will work. And uh, instead of visualize, uh, yeah, just trying to show the flow of where, where each scene starts and where it moves to which film next. And so I started off with a bump chart and I, and then I thought, um, I saw a tutorial from Alex Farmalov, um, another Zen who had created a radial bump chart. And I looked at that and I basically put the data through that and it didn't quite fit. It was still too condensed. So stretching it across in a linear way, I felt was, uh, it was, I would need to stretch it over a long sort of part of a, of a dashboard or, or a viz. And I didn't feel that it would work having to scroll a long, a long way. I know the size of the, the viz at the moment is very large and you have to sort of zoom out or um, get it to fit to your window to see it. But um, I started off by thinking, well, if I condense it into a radial, into almost a square, so the radial bend around that square, maybe that'll work. And it didn't. It was just still too too condensed. Then I just had a crazy notion of thinking, well, what if I bend it into a wave, so across two radials, so stretch it out across two rad two two lots of three hundred and sixty. And that's where I, that's why I went with it. And I, jeez, uh, I had to really stretch my trigonometry and my maths to basically take the precursor calculations from uh, Alex's radial bump chart and then break that down and then stretch that over three hundred, uh, so seven hundred and twenty degrees, but change it at certain points of the bump chart so that you're bending clockwise, you're bending anticlockwise, you're bending you're bending clockwise again to create that wave. But I managed to do that and I managed to get that to work. And then it looked really good. But for some reason, I just thought it would look even better if I could just angle it across and down. And that would create space for me to annotate where I wanted to annotate. So then I had to take crazy calculations that I was doing with the wave of the bump chart and then just somehow in my head work out how I was going to angle the whole lot across a point from a from a singular point. So effectively I just um, rotated the whole chart 45 degrees. And then yeah I gosh I wouldn't like to say how many hours I spent on this but I worked most evenings it during the week. I didn't work any weekends just evenings in the week between nine at night and maybe one in the morning for a good month and then I had a uh, I had a week off leaving Dyson and starting Bistery so I had a week off so I could really sort of draw it all together and and put the finishing touches to the whole thing so I was quite lucky in that instance um but yeah <laughs> that's kind of where I went with it um and it was just a case of trying to stretch that data over a longer point but keeping it so it all fitted a square sort of area so that you weren't losing the story as you were scrolling across the page. It's a very clever way of sort of executing this big idea, which is expressing the timelines of 23 movies, sort of what events are happening and what sequence and sort of what the tail end is, meaning like what's the most recent movie, which is Spider-Man yep. Far From Home, which is the only movie that's uh, the, the most recent on the timeline, right? Nothing else at this yeah. point is sort of coinciding at the same time. But I was looking at it and most of the rest of it 
is kind of fundamentals. A lot of these things are you're using bands, you're using more traditional charts to express a lot of the other ideas. And while you're doing them in a very clean, efficient way, it sort of goes to show that not everything on the page has to be like your showstopper, right? Like you, you sort oh, yeah. of put together a centerpiece. Uh, this is going to be my big idea here. And now let me sort of supplement this with all the other details. 100%, 100%. You've hit that absolutely right. And that's what I've done in the other Iron Business that I've done and quite a few of my things I do is uh, you have that catch. There's there's something big there, something interesting that people want to look at. But then what you don't want with the rest of your charts is to have them fighting for that attention. It's They shouldn't be fighting for that attention. They should be supporting the story of the data. But what I was really, because I knew that this, in this particular viz with the the curved timeline, I knew that that was going to put a lot of, um, sh- I don't know, um, data literacy stress on people who are going to read that. Um, I didn't want the rest of the viz to be that difficult to read. I wanted to supplement it with the probably the correct chart choices for what I was doing with the data so that it wasn't just an overload of craziness. And I think that's kind of the key with, I don't know, I've never cracked IronViz, but I think that's kind of the key with IronViz, um, that you cho- you've got to make sure that you are still, you can show your technical technical chops as such, but you've still got to make sure you're using the right charts to display that data, that it tells the story that you were trying to tell, um, or the story that was within that data. So, yeah, there <laughs> There was a lot of, it's probably a little bit of showing off that I, when creating the um, the actual timeline, the uh, time river where I was putting it all into one sheet and uh, using the uh, the map layers um, that have come in recently into Tableau and that little trick of um, uh, where they was they brought in map layers so you could layer on additional elements to a an actual map but um, you can basically hack it or switch it so that you can create normal charts um, using multiple layers. So I was just using that. Um, and uh, yeah, well, I, I'm really happy with it. I'm really happy with how it turned out. It's probably one of my favorites that I've done. I, I think it's really impressive, both in terms of, you know, the big centerpiece, but also you you take the time to hold people's hand and walk them through it. So you have at least four different notations next to it, sort of explaining how to use it and read it. And I mean, honestly, I wouldn't expect every person to go through it and sort of look at all this or to even, you know, to use it necessarily. But it's there as a supplemental. Honestly, your main chart reminds me a lot of something you'd see from like, uh, Georgia Loopy or Nadia Bremer uh, in a lot of ways. I'm not saying that to blow smoke. It, it's very reminiscent of sort of their stylings and sort of, hey, I'm going to create something that's very dense in terms of what it delivers. And you can interact with it to the degree to which you're comfortable because I'm going to give you a little extra over here if you're not quite ready for that. No, no thank, thank you for that um, sort of comparison because they are big influences into my data viz, I think. Um, I look at their work. So um, Nadia, uh, she inspired my golden record from, that was my last iron viz I ever entered, which was the music round from 2019. And um, so I, the golden record viz was where um, I was visualizing music that had been sent 
into space on uh, the two Voyager crafts from the 70s. And um, what was what was the inspiration in that particular viz was at the top of that viz, um, there's an image of the actual record. And outside of that, again, there's a radial sort of chart that comes off of that that uh, moves, uh, it's basically pointing to the, um, the record in the center of the radial. And as, you, uh, as you're able to click on different track numbers around that record, uh, it basically points to that chart, but um, it takes off lines coming from that uh, around the radial that don't overlap, that uh, importantly, just sort of neatly flow around the radial and then outwards to additional elements that I've put around the radial. Um, and they never, they never, they never sort of overlap. And so, as you click it around, it changes with the the calculations change with the chart. And that was it's a direct copy from something that Nadia Bremer did in one of her visits. And um, and I thought I thought it worked really well. So um, yeah, um, uh, thank you for the comparison because they yeah they are a big inspiration in that sense. There was something else I was going to say, but I forgot it. <laughs> because I remember, I think it, the, the golden record is the second viz of yours that I know for sure that caught my attention. But um, the first one was your viz for social good, the Kevin Richardson foundation, which had a list of lion uh, made from polygons as a sort of centerpiece on that, which was, you know, by now feels like a departure for you because you're the radio guy, but um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm labeling you as that unfairly, but the golden record was, was the thing I saw from you that, um, I looked at it then and I look at it now and I think I still feel the same thing when I look at it is I don't think I'm ever going to make something this cool and I'm okay <laughs> with that um, because the golden record is is really dazzling in so many ways like like your other stuff it definitely has a sort of centerpiece aspect to it which is something um, I consulted a couple people on iron viz entries this year and part of my advice was what's your centerpiece going to be like there's got to be something on here that is going to be your like, hey, this is the thing I'm really proud of that I want to show off. Yeah. And that's got to be the thing that you need to make sure works 100% of the time. Like it can't work 80% of the time. It's, you know, it's got to always deliver. And the golden record works so perfectly in terms of sort of taking advantage of, you know, the, the way radials work to space out your data in a reasonable way. It serves yeah. as a design element. And then you have branching elements off of it that serve as a flow to lead the reader down the page to the next thing you would like them to read, which is so many times the, the difficult thing of sort of a larger, longer form data viz. So your rivers of time, uh, as anyone who listened to my episode with Sarah Bartlett regarding Iron Viz will know, I hate Sam's Viz definitely because it scrolls horizontally, uh, which I, <laughs> which is a joke. But I, I was talking about uh, you know vertical and horizontal scrolling and how you really try not to make something that goes both directions, particularly if it's tabular, right? Like if you're if you yeah. end up creating yeah, yeah, a tabular yeah. data set and it scrolls two directions, you you've made a mistake. In the terms of rivers of time, uh, it's such a big visualization that this is designed to be like a poster for your wall. It's large uh, and it's dense and that's intentional. Uh, the golden record is intentionally a vertically scrolling thing, which leads you down the page. And so many of these things, I sort of, I'm inspired by the, the control for which you're exerting over the reader's eye. And this is uh, as someone that has drawn so much inspiration from how comic books work. I think about when you're reading a comic book page, they don't tell you what order to read the panels in. 
they have to be good enough to align them in such a way that you know what comes next. You know, whether they're supposed to read across or down or diagonally. And you're exerting that control by sort of taking advantage of some of these gold threads to draw the reader's eye down the page from one element to the next. Yeah, 100%. Um, So flow with um, flow is something that I think is critical in your data storytelling and leading leading that uh, leading that reader through your analysis. Um, I didn't do so much of that with my rivers of time. I did also obviously um, designed for that, like I did with the golden record. The golden record, um, you you have that gold thread that's coming from the radial and it's flowing down, and it goes all the way down to the bottom of the page. And that was that was an intentional thing to try to draw people down through the analysis, and and the analysis sort of gets a little more granular as you go down through it. But also, what I was trying to do with that is, um, I was trying to help uh, draw the reader down through that uh, to follow that line by placing just little bits of nuggets of information, um, icons that you can click on, and you can see. images that have been taken from the um, Voyager uh, craft on its journey to outer space. And as, and, and those images are, are deliberately placed in order as you're going down through the flow of the, of the um, uh, from top to bottom from the viz. So some of them are animated, some of those images are um, sort of GIFs, so you can see like um, Jupiter, uh, Saturn, uh, Jupiter, rotating the that uh, was recorded from one of the probes as it was flying past Jupiter and um, it was just it was an intentional thing to sort of show that flow but also keep the reader interested to follow it down through so it's going as, they, as you're scrolling down you're going oh there's another icon oh that's interesting where's the next one? Oh, there's another one here that's interesting what's next oh we've got some more analysis right okay let's read that you know, and, and, and it's just just helping people want to keep going through the viz. Um, I, and I think it's something that I had um, good feedback on on my initial Iron Viz. I, I, I don't know if this is the Iron Viz podcast, but, um, <laughs> but my initial Iron Viz was one that I did. Um, uh, it was on the agricultural data that uh, Joshua Smith uh, he won that feed around. That was in the same year, 2019. And um, I had a, a viz called uh, Sowing Seeds or something along those lines. And in that, I had a, a, a map of America. And um, from there came some lines that came down the page outwards as if they were coming out of the page. And then they dropped into a bar chart. And you would select a, a state or a county on the on the chart above it would highlight one of those lines coming down into the bar chart. And then from there, you would get a line that would come to an individual um, map of that county and how uh, and the agricultural makeup of that county. And that was a flow that went down the page. And that was something that was fed back to me very strongly, that it worked really well. And that was something I was keen to reproduce in the golden record um, uh, to create a flow, because I think it sort of hit home that that really helps that sort of uh, that uh, transition from pieces of analysis. What um, so what I really have a sort of disliking for in in some um, some way people do their flow is 
when they really prescribe, you must read this one first and then this one. They number, they number the sections. So number one, number two, number three, number four. You must read it. So if this is unless it's in a sort of almost like a book style where I think it might work, but I like it to be a bit more subtle than that, than numbering where you need to look at. I don't know what you think on that. That's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that before. It's, I, I think a lot about data storytelling, and I know it's a term that's kind of been beaten to death a little bit because it's used sort of as a as a blanket term for anything that you put on like a, a business dashboard or anything else. People are like, where, but where's the data storytelling and stuff? And I think a lot of it comes down to some of what I see. Uh, I'm looking at the golden record right now. And a lot of it comes down to sort of order of operations, pacing, and um, not overwhelming. So like uh, one of the temptations is you can make anything to set to any dimensions right now. I think like if you're using Tableau as a tool or any other business tool, Tableau can probably make, like, make something like 8,000 pixels wide by 8,000 or something, which is a ton of screen real estate. Yeah, it's 10,000, 10,000, but yeah. Good yeah. Lord. Yeah, and your temptation <laughs> would be like, look at what I can do because you know that you can put everything you could possibly ever imagine there. Yeah. But a lot of what your job is, is to interdict between the data itself and the user and determine what's most important here and in what order should I show that? And how can I do that in a way that it doesn't turn people off? Because yeah. uh, it, it, it's very easy to make stuff that even another analyst that might sit right next to you or you know be available over a Zoom call, you show it to them. And uh, they start shutting down before they even make it past the second chart. Like it's yeah. very easy to do that. And, and what you need to do is create something that is simple enough that it progresses in such a way that it's adding details to from your first chart to your second to your third. I mean, in this case, you, I mean, realistically, like how many charts are there on this page? There's pretty much a one at the top, maybe two. Two, two charts at the top that sort of make your sort of gold record centerpiece. Yeah. And then you've got uh, a maybe one and a half to two charts in the middle. And then one very simple bar <laughs> chart at the bottom. But it looks more, I, I mean, I, I say that like, uh, like I'm minimizing it. There's also a map. But um, it's, it's an extraordinarily impressive visualization. Like I said, I looked at this and I thought, I'm never going to make something this impressive. And I'm not saying that to discourage people, but sometimes you see something that really captures your imagination. And this captured my imagination in such a way where it's like, wow, I never would have thought of doing that. But, in, but also in such a way where as I looked at it and navigated it, I felt like I was learning something. I was able to, um, there's a concept called a closure in storytelling where you're carrying a piece of information through to say, okay, I know a piece of information that's not displayed here, but that gives context to this thing. So you're, you're looking at the first piece and you're carrying knowledge from that to the second piece and then carrying knowledge from that down the page. And that's sort of one of the, the secret weapons of any kind of storytelling, whether it be uh, writing a book or anything else, taking advantage of both knowledge that's already been presented by you, but also knowledge that you already know people have, for example. So uh, one of the examples I saw in, in a book that I'm a fan of is they, they showed a drawing of a half-drawn Pepsi bottle. And it's like, I don't need to tell you what this is. You, you know what this is. You have yeah. context for this. Your mind already committed the act of closure and knows that's a Pepsi bottle. So I don't have to tell you all of that. So if you can leverage some of that when you're creating a, a BI product and say, okay, you know what? 
people understand that there's 12 months in a year. I don't have to tell them there's 12 months. You can start eliminating the obvious and then delivering the valuable. Yeah. So two two sort of separate things on on, on all of that was um, that you're talking about the golden record and and, and the charts that I chose and, and, uh, and how the design of it all sort of really sort of fits the theme, I guess. Um, the feedback I got from the external judges on that one was that it was there was too much emphasis on design, and I had almost over designed it. And that was that was one that I sort of had to think about for a little bit afterwards after um, receiving that feedback because I really did try to get a sort of a futuristic feel. It's spacey, be quite interesting, um, but maybe maybe I did go a little bit too too far which is where you've probably seen in the rivers of time one so the latest one that you've seen we've been talking about it's it's a lot more dumbed down it's not it's not um stylized in a um in a marvel comic book way it's a much more sort of traditional styling of a of a data viz but it's talking about comic books so i've not gone all out design on comic book styling in that viz it's more about let's present this in a in a in a visually appealing way but it doesn't just because it's about comic books and about uh, marvel marvel films it doesn't need to be all wow pow bang sort of flashy in your face sort of uh comic book big color style um so that was one thing and um the other thing i think i've just forgotten no so yeah sort of we were to just a little bit before that, we were talking about um, the flow and the subtlety of flow, and we're talking about business dashboards as well. We mentioned business dashboards, and I think that's quite interesting because that's something that we're always trying to build into a business dashboard without really thinking of it as flow as such, in the sense of we partition parts of our business, uh, business dashboards using dividing lines to say, read this section first. You don't say that. You don't call it out. You don't say, number one, this this section. Number two, now look over here. You just subtly create a, a, a gapping, a spacing, put a, a subtle little um, dividing line. It's not bold. It's just there. It just helps the reader understand there's a section here and there's another section afterwards. You tend to read left to right if you're Western. So that's kind of something with a flow with a business dashboard that we do consider with when we're building that and we do it with color as well so we might even create a a light background to certain charts in a section to say this section is now a bit of detail onto the last section or something so even though you're working in business dashboards it's still critical to get that so you're guiding people through your analysis um and that's something I've just learned over time that is really important. So I just wanted to call those two bits out because um, I think it's it's just something that I'm, I, I believe in. Um, <laughs> sorry, I've probably stopped your flow a little bit. But, uh, I'll sweat it. No, I mean, uh, very valid points. Like I, one thing I was admiring about your most recent Rivers of Time is that while you do use red and blue as accent colors, it's very subtle and they're muted. And it's it's a very apt choice for colors because red and blue are, are very attractive colors, but also they're 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 two of the primary colors, and they're they're very um, common in sort of superhero costumes and stuff. Exactly. So you're able to sort of homage the idea of doing this without sort of you know putting it on a front street and saying I'm doing superheroes. Um, so there's lots of ways that you can sort of take advantage of that and evoke 
a, an idea or feeling without actually explicitly doing it. Do you, so exactly that was, that was exactly the thought process with that. So uh, a little insight into what I did with that that whole viz. So I, I said I didn't want to go down the comic book styling and over design it like the feedback that I had with the golden record. What I wanted was something a little bit more professional feeling, something a little bit more clean. And so what I where I went with was uh, I took real inspiration from charts that I've been seeing over the last year with COVID. And I've been following, um, uh, I forgot his name now, um, the guy from the Financial Times, John Murdoch something. But anyway, he um, has been producing a lot of charts for the Financial Times. The Financial Times have a very clear um, branding to their charts. They have a cream background. They use black. They use red as a call-out accent. And that's where I took the inspiration for. I said, okay, well, maybe I'll take that cream and apply it to my Iron Viz with the black. I already know that I want to use red and I think I'm going to use blue to accent that. And because I'm thinking Captain America, red and blue, red is commonly associated with um, Iron Man. Um, so they, they seemed like good combinations of colour. I muted them down a bit because I didn't want it to be too bold I didn't want them to be too distracting and then that's kind of where it came from so it's almost I was taking that inspiration from the Financial Times to try and get a more professional feel to the whole thing um, and yeah so it's really do take your inspiration from wherever you can but one of the bits that I was quite proud about on that one um, if we talk about it even more was um, I quite liked the section I put at the bottom and there's a footer in there and I'm calling out where all the different data sources have been used and I'm, I'm linking those to the charts say so, so this chart has been used from this data source and you can look at the footer or you can say you can look at that uh, time river and underneath that there are um, some collapsible containers that detail the design process that got me to that um, crazy chart that's wiggling down the page um it's all that sort of footer of extra information that i was quite proud of the one thing i was a bit disappointed with i didn't crack accessibility in saying in terms of screen readers i really wanted to try and get the viz to work for a screen reader but it just proved too difficult um, because i'm using images as for the text, the main text, because it was a stylized font that worked with the theme. If I used the standard tablet font, it probably wouldn't have impacted as nicely as it has. So I was trying to work out how do I get a screen reader to read all of this? And then I was looking at bringing in text boxes that were hidden on the viz somewhere that explained the story. I even considered doing a video and embedding a video to talk about it. I just, I just found it was just a step too far. By the time I came to the end of the whole piece, I even started recording a video and trying to talk through it. And I'd gone for about 15 minutes. And I hadn't even got past the first section before the time river. And I was like, right, okay, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. So that is something I think um, Tableau as a product could probably improve on, is trying to help. Well, actually, could it improve? I don't know, because it's not typical that you're going to use images for your text for most instances, but certainly from an iron standing, accessibility of 
screen readers, it's really hard to bring that in when you're trying to produce a very big visualization. I hope for a future state with more robust font support. So we don't become a, we are not, we're not as reliant on third parties for uh, font and text blocks, because I know yeah. I import a lot of images for titles and that sort of thing, because to get the look and feel that you would like, you often have to go outside of Tableau. What other tools did you use besides Tableau itself to build this? Did you use Figma or anything like that? No, no, I, I've never I've never picked up Figma. Um, I have only used Illustrator. So I did, I did a really good course just before COVID hit. It was a week long course where I became certified in Illustrator and I'm just completely sold on Illustrator so um it was yeah so a lot of the design was brought in to illustrator to pull and pull around the text and the, and the layout and the spacing and all of that sort of design stuff that you can easily do in a design tool like figma or illustrator rather than tableau so um uh they were the only two tools i used other than excel where i collected the data that's just because I'm an XXL person. So I just find it really quick and easy to write an Excel formula to, to, to manipulate something rather than sticking it through Alteryx or something like that. Um, but yeah, so there are a few sort of flourishes on this, on this biz with um, Illustrator. And that was more to due to um, trying to get the whole is to interact with a suitable speed and it's not too laggy having built everything in Tableau. So there's a little section at the top of the Time River that is actually an Illustrator image and that's where it's connecting the um, icons into the actual river itself. I built that in Tableau into the single sheet but when I built that extra little sort of fanning out of the lines, the whole the whole workbook completely slowed down. So I was like getting sort of over 20 seconds sort of wait times on interaction. And that was just, for me, that was unacceptable. It wasn't really a critical part of the viz to have that interacting. So I built that, I took that out and put that as a, an image, uh, an SVG from Illustrator just to connect that up. It wasn't required to be built in Tableau. So there's a little couple of little things like that that I put in there. but. And some of the interesting things I found with building this was I built the whole thing with all of the text and the all the um, text, the additional text that's built as images in a single image file, and put that behind. And that was actually a lot slower to load up when you go into the viz or interact with it than if you actually placed all the individual text elements separately as individual uh, image objects on the dashboard floating them all uh, into into position and so tableau itself struggled with one large file rather than many multiple objects so that was quite interesting as a that's an important learning point tip. right yeah but the problem is you've got so many you, you you build it all as one as one image in in the first place because you think everything will stay where i want it to stay because it's not going to move around they're not floating it's just one background image but when you have lots of multiple images um, sort of floating to put the text boxes where you where you need them, then you've got that as worry that when somebody opens it up, this all going to shift its alignment and it will just look a bit shoddy. Um, but luckily, I don't think that's happened, um, or certainly not when I've seen it. Um, but yeah, you look, you you pick up all these things, don't you? When you when you 
when you start building a big a big viz like this in iron viz i all three iron vizes that well i've i've tried i've tried doing six iron vizes i've only ever completed three but all of them i've learned certain bits about myself my time planning uh how to approach iron viz how what works well on a dashboard and feedback when the feedback you get from a completed viz is really really invaluable as well um so just a note to your listeners if anybody's ever doubting that looking at something like this thinking no I, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna enter it's just too much i wouldn't be able to put that amount of time in honestly my my advice would be do it anyway test yourself because you by the time you finish you'll learn so much about your process you will learn a little bit about the tool itself and you'll be better equipped if you want to attempt it again next time I can think of a better place to wrap this up than that, Sam. It's been really exciting uh, picking your brain today. Is there anybody you want to shout out or anything you want to promote before we finish? Um, no, I don't think so. I think um, I've probably taken enough of your time as it is. Um, but I just really appreciate um, you inviting me onto the show. I've enjoyed myself. I hope uh, the listeners have enjoyed listening to me waffle on a little bit. And it's really great to finally meet you as well, face to face. It's been a blast. Thanks, Sam. All right, mate. Cheers. Data Plus Love is recorded and produced by Zach Bowders. Our music track is We Are Legends by Alex Stoner. Hey, you're still here. Um, you're probably waiting for like the next podcast uh, to kick in, probably something better. Um, thanks for hanging on. Anyway, if you're picking up what we're putting down, uh, consider buying us a cup of coffee on ko-fi.com slash D-A-T-A-P-L-U-S-L-O-V-E. Um, just, you know, drop $3 in our tip bucket. It helps us buy better equipment. It helps us uh, pay for razor blades to keep me from looking like a wolf man. And it keeps uh, Mark's head looking so shiny and beautiful. Anyway, thanks for listening. We'll never put anything behind a paywall. And thanks for your patronage. Have a great day. Hey, thanks for sticking around to the end. I really appreciate you listening to the Data Plus Love podcast. If you'd like to see more about what we're up to with the show, go to anchor.fm slash data plus love. Just spell it out, not a literal plus sign. Here you'll be able to see our library of episodes as well as interact with them either through polls or comments or leave a voicemail message that I'll put on an episode. You can interact with me personally by joining me on Twitter. I'm at Zach Bowders, not hard to hunt down. And if you like what you're hearing, consider leaving a tip for us or signing up for a small monthly donation at our ko-fi.com slash data plus love. Buying a cup of coffee for the show is just $3, and you could get more if you choose, or sign up to give that $3 or more monthly. Either way, I really appreciate it. Lastly, if you'd like to see more of my public data viz work, check me out on Tableau Public. So go to public.tableau.com and search for Zach Bowders. I'm the only one you won't have trouble finding me. I promise. So thanks again for hanging on to the end of the show. I really appreciate all of your listens. And until next time, this has been Zach Bowders for the Data Plus Love Network.